You're listening to the University of Pikeville Men's Basketball Podcast. My name is Gary Justice. I'll be your host. In today's episode, we catch up with Rick Bentley, who's been to the University of Pikeville for 25 years. The first 17 was spent as the Sports Information Director. The last eight, he's now a full-time faculty in the Coleman College of Business. Rick shares his journey to the University of Pikeville, talks about his favorite memories as a sports information director for the university, including the 2001 Final Four run and the 2011 National Championship, the hiring of Kelly Wells. Also talks about his connection with students after they graduate. Hope you enjoy. Let's get started. Emily, welcome to the UPI Men's Basketball Podcast. Thanks a lot, Gary. Appreciate you letting me on. I mean, I've been looking forward to this ever since you agreed to come on. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody else in this area who is more of a historical database of all the athletic programs at UPIC, especially the basketball, than you, Rick. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I think there's probably some people who know as much or more than I do, but it's always uh, it's always a thrill to get to share what I do know. Uh, so, Rick, let's, let's first of all, let's talk about your journey to U-Pike. So, how did you become a Bear? Well, it started when I was in college. I went to Alice Lloyd to play baseball. And they had, because at that time, uh, Pikeville College wasn't playing baseball. And I spent two years over there and wound up transferring to help me get my academics straightened out. And I did that graduated from the school in 1989 and very much like what you were telling me the other day, Gary, I never really left. I went to the newspaper, but I covered the bears as extensively as I could, um, covered your career as a baseball player there. And, and a lot of the uh, really good athletes who went through, it was a great time to be, uh, in the media covering Pikeville college at the time. And then I spent one year, I spent eight months, out of athletics before I came to the university <laughs> to work for Ron Dameron and the, uh, and the athletics department. I tell you, you talk about Ron Dameron. He's another one you get on this podcast. Uh, he, he, he's, he held several roles at the university of Pikeville, but one of them was he's a pretty good salesman, Rick. He really is. And you know, there was a time when Ron had seven departments on campus answering to him simultaneously. <laughs> and he told me one time, he said, Rick, I'll be honest with you. He said, I feel like you could run athletics without me, but it's the only thing I do that gives me any pleasure at all. So I think I'm going to hang on to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Rick, you, you've had, I know you used to tell me on the Saturday when you was helping broadcast the basketball game, uh, 25 years at the University of Pikeville, with 17 of those spent as a sports information director at the university and eight as a full-time professor. So going back to those 17 years, very successful run as a sports information director, I believe is four times the Mid-South Conference Sports Information Director of the Year. Is that correct, Rick? That is. I was very fortunate to uh, either that or I was in the league at a bad time for SIDs. I'm not sure which it was, <laughs> but we, we did. We had, we had a great run there, Gary. We really enjoyed what we were doing. Um, you know, it was a lot of time on the road. And as you well know, uh, traveling is a young man's profession. And uh, I really enjoyed the time I was there. I was very blessed. Ron and I used to talk about it sometimes in his office, that history will be kind to the two of us because the athletics department went from about six sports to about 23 during the time that 
he was the athletics director and I was his assistant and sports information director. But in all honesty, we were just there at the right time. Uh, we just I'd got, say. we got really fortunate to be there when, when a lot of things happened. I'll never forget the day we held a press conference primarily to announce uh, the football starting, but we also announced that day that we were starting men's and women's bowling. And it turned out that those turn were, you know, are really, really big competitive sports for us. So Rick, uh, to tell you again, the, the story about the basketball program, whether it be, you know, uh, covering as a part of the newspaper or as your role as SID, um, what's some of your favorite memories about the UPOC basketball program? Well, when I first started covering the sport for, for UPOC, it was about the time Bart Williams came to the school. And of course, Bart turned out to be the all time leading scorer uh, on campus. And, you know, during that time, you got to realize that we had. We went through a stretch there where we had Bart, we had Jody Thompson, we had Brian Johnson. Those are three of the top five scorers in school history, um, and their careers kind of overlapped. I know Brian played with both of those guys, so there's a lot of history there. Then, of course, we had Jeff Campbell, Rodney Fuller. There was there was always a game where somebody was going to be making a shot. You know, there was no situation where everybody was going to be cold in one given night with all those guards we had to run out there. And then when I got hired at the school, Roy Cutright was the coach there. We were coming off of uh, back-to-back 20-win seasons when I started. And and his time there went downhill, uh, unfortunately, in a win-loss column. He still graduated a lot of students and that sort of thing. And then uh, it was when, when Roy left that Randy McCoy came aboard, and it really exploded then. Hey, uh, yeah, Randy, Coach McCoy um, really took – took the, the program back to the level it was back in the, the late 70s. Would you agree with that, Rick? And he was there then, too. Uh, he he was a student assistant with Wayne Martin when Wayne had our teams rolling back then. And in 1976, they made the national tournament. And until uh, 1976, until 2001, it was the last time we had been to the national tournament. And Randy was in his second year. Uh, as the coach of the Bears at that point. And we just really, really got it going that year. Then the next year, we didn't make it back to the tournament, and then we went back in 03 and 04. So three times in four years, Randy was able to uh, to guide us to the tournament. The first time, of course, was the year we went all the way to the national semifinals. The last year the tournament was held in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, Rick, talk a little bit about that uh, that run, two thousand and one, that first Final Four appearance uh, for the Bears. You had a unique perspective of it. Not only were you there as the SID in Tulsa, but also I think you were doing some of the, the radio broadcast of the ball games as well. Too walk us. Well, first, kind of describe for the audience at home who may not be aware of the NAIA tournament, how it's different from the NCAA tournament, the- much more challenging. And then also just talk about that week. There's no question about it. It's the it's the toughest tournament in the world. You play uh, five games in either six or seven days. The tournament starts at nine o'clock local time on a Wednesday morning. The championship game is the following Tuesday night. If you play on Wednesday, you get Thursday off. If you play Thursday in the first round, then your off day happens before you start playing. So you could play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday and play five games in six days trying to win that thing. Um, it's it's just a it's a brutal grind. There's no question about that. But 
it is so much fun to watch and so much fun to participate in. And what I enjoyed most about my trips to Kansas City was in addition to being able to be the eyes and the ears of everybody who was who was back home trying to follow it, but also uh, I got to see so many of the teams that I just saw in their names in the poll and I didn't know anything about uh, from year to year to year. And I got to watch all those teams. In 2001, we didn't know anything about what we were doing. We got out there and uh, we won the first game. And then we played second day, we played the second game. On on Friday, we literally played the first game of the tournament. And then we won again on Saturday, had Sunday off before we played in the uh, national semifinals on Monday. And and that day, now you got to remember, Gary, Tulsa, Oklahoma is, as we say, a fur piece from Pikeville, Kentucky. <laughs> but we got the, out there to play that game, and we had taken over that arena there. We had uh, we had our band out there. They drove out for that. We had a lot of the faculty. I remember distinctly Gene Lovell making that trip out there. Uh, and also, Gary, there was a guy there, the governor of Kentucky you may have heard of, <laughs> Paul Patton flew out just and, – and I'll never forget what it was like there. Even after we lost that game, during the game, they, they introduced Governor Patton to the arena. And it was wow. it was like it where you were at the state tournament, you know, where everybody knows who Governor Patton is, and the place just exploded for him. And then the thing that I that I remember most about that was after we lost that game to Faulkner. Faulkner went on to win the tournament the next night. They beat Science and Arts of Oklahoma. But after that game, the band did what our band has traditionally done for generations. Gary, they played my old Kentucky home, and it was. We played the first semifinal. Science and Arts was getting ready to play a team out of uh, California, I believe, in their in their semifinal game. But when our band started playing my old Kentucky home, the arena stopped. It was you could hear a pin drop in that arena while they were playing that. And then when they finished, the entire arena stood and cheered our band to uh, wow. as they played my old Kentucky home out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, of all places. It was really, uh, it, it was, it was an event that I didn't think I would ever experience. Uh, I probably told you this the other day, Gary, that uh, at that time, Bill Sargent was the SID at Cumberland's uh, at, at, and they were there and he was there to watch us play. He was sitting in the end zone where they have rows of seats for just people like us to sit when we're not working the games. And he was the only one sitting there after our game. And he, when I went down through there, he called me over and I made my way through all the empty chairs and I got over to him and he, he didn't lean up. He didn't say anything. He was just sitting there with his arm on the seat beside him. And he said, hope you brought a lot of clothes. I believe you're going to be here for a while. And little did I know we were going to be there for a week. And it was just something I'll never forget. Uh, it's the experience totally, you know, especially the unknown going through there, playing the early games. Uh, at the beginning of the tournament, and then then you get to the the weekend, and then you get to the national semifinals. You have Paul Patton showing up. You having them introduced during the ball game. That was yeah, that's something you're never going to forget. Rick. It was uh, it was it was quite an experience for me, and, and I'll be honest with you, I never thought it would be topped. And then three years later, Gary, I was back in the same town of Tulsa, Oklahoma, with our bowling team when they won their first national championship. Uh, Ron and I were there for the basketball tournament and then, you know, he was the coach and I was his, uh, quote unquote assistant coach. You know, Ron needs, 
an assistant coach in bowling, you yes. know, about as bad as, yeah. as, as somebody needs an extra hole in the head. But, um, so, you know, that was, I was there for that. And then in 08 when they won it again. And then of course, when we get to 2011, I was with fortunate enough to be with Kelly and, and that team in Kansas city when we wound up winning the whole thing. Oh, Rick, before we jump to 2011, you brought up coach Wells. Let's go ahead and jump to, uh, to his hiring. And you're right. the sports information director. Kind of describe what that process was like, and kind of what the what kind of the shape the situation the, the program was in at the time. Well, you know, Randy had the program in pretty good shape, but at Christmas the, the during his last year, he had to resign because of health reasons. And I'll be honest with you, Gary, I saw Randy about a month after that at a, at a high school game, and he, and and I'll be honest with you, he looked he looked terrible. He had been very ill and a lot sicker than a lot of us knew. And, and when he, when he had to resign, I mean, he, it was a matter of life and death. He had to resign and take care of himself. And at that time we had a guy as an assistant coach who, who a lot of people in Kentucky know Dale Brown, who was on uh, the national, you know, on some national championship. I think he may have won a national championship at Kentucky. Um, I know he played in a national, uh, he played in the final four at Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was. I think Dale. I don't know if he won one. Anyway, but yeah, UK basketball yeah. player, though. Yes, very, very successful. But the problem was he didn't have any experience coaching, and that season kind of went south on us down the stretch. And Dale coached from January on, and so then we, when we opened it up, uh, we got down to three finalists. And I've told Kelly this story, so I don't mind telling you, Gary. This will tell you right now that you might think you're the smartest guy in the room but you're not usually the smartest guy in the room. We got down to three (laughs) candidates for that job, three finalists. And Ron told me, I think we're going to hire Kelly Wells. And he looked at me and he said, you think that's a mistake, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. Now keep in mind, Kelly was in Hawaii at the time. And I said, you got three people as finalists here. One of them is a, a UPAC alum. Another one is an Eastern Kentucky guy trying to get back to Eastern Kentucky. And the other one is a guy in Hawaii just trying to get back in the Commonwealth. And he laughed at me and I said, he said, you don't think we can keep him for three years? And I said, I'll be honest with you. If he gets a better offer during the summer, I don't think we'll keep him till the first game of the season. But, but that, that was, it was a part of it though, Gary, was not just my belief that, that, you know, we had a, we had a, a candidate among us. But the other was that I, that was so, I had so much respect for Kelly's coaching ability that I felt like that if if a Division One or something like that came open that we would lose him because I knew what kind of coach Kelly Wells was because I had seen his run at Mason County when he you know won the championship and then made it back to the tournament. I think they got beat maybe in the finals the second year. So I, I was very aware of Kelly's coaching ability and, and his prowess and knew what he could do. And I was afraid we wouldn't be able to keep him just to be honest. Little did I know that we would, um, we, that we would still have him around. And I thank God for that. And I've told Kelly many times how happy I am that I was so wrong when we made that hire. Well, I tell you what, Rick, uh, it's it's one it's a big man of you to say hey I made the I made the wrong uh, decision not not the wrong decision but hey, I was I was wrong on that one but you're exactly right in the program has just went to a, a different level 
when Coach Kelly Wells was hired. So he's he's hired Rick. So that is what two thousand. What year was that when he was hired? Wasn't he hired in about 07 or 08, somewhere in that range? Uh, as that, I think you're right. I think it was 08. And the, the reason I remember that, my son Kevin and I were going to the basketball games, and Kevin wanted to be the ball boy yeah. for, for Kelly for Pikeville College at the time. And um, Kelly told him that he could uh, apply for the position. <laughs> But but he would need a resume. So Kevin and I went home that night, and you know, we put together a little resume, come back, and and gave it to Coach Wells. And I and he Kevin got hired as the ball boy. And I think Kelly may even still have that resume <laughs> at Kevin and gave him. So I so saw the '08 uh, year. I think you were correct. So talk about how the program grows, Mary. Kelly Wells is hired, Rick. In in two thousand eight, and just talk about the progression of the. Well, program. start off with I think he started recruiting at a at a little different level than we than we got there, uh, for a year or so, and and it, he really started to step it up. And let's be honest about something here, Gary. It took two or three years for us to get to the national tournament. We should have been in the national tournament the second year. Uh, we went at least two years there where we were every bit as good enough to play in the tournament, and we just couldn't get in it, and. You know, that was when we were being told you need to play a tougher schedule, even though we were playing the exact same schedule Georgetown was playing. We were playing the exact same teams. And you know those names just like I do, you know, the OSU Mansfields of the world and that sort of thing. But we uh, we finally got in the tournament, and we went to Kansas City. And I'll never forget sitting on that Saturday night. We had already – we won our first – we played the first semifinal game, that our first quarterfinal game that year when we beat the number one team in the country. And then I was sitting with Happy Osborne, the coach at Georgetown, who was also our Raider in the Mid-South Conference, while we were watching the last game to see who he was going to play. It wound up being Mountain State. And and I said, I know we got to play a tougher schedule. He said, not anymore, big boy. He said, you, you <laughs> got out here and you proved your worth. He said, you can play whoever you want to now. That's what I do. <laughs> but he said to get out of here, you had to play a little better schedule, and that's and he was right. So, Rick, there in that 2011 national championship run, uh, you know, you talk about playing the top ranked team. Of course, you Pike uh, would go in at, at the time. Of course, it's still Pikeville College for the uh, transition to university. So, Pikeville College goes going in as an unranked team with an at large bid had to play the mo- one of the most challenging. Journeys to, to even get to the national semifinal. We had uh, an it really interesting run in that no team had ever come in unseated, and at that time, Gary, they seated the top sixteen, and then the 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 bottom sixteen were just you know they were unseated. So we were the we we wound up being the first team to beat five seated teams to win the national championship. And we beat in the first two games of the tournament, we beat the the defending runner up who lost on a tip in at the buzzer to the defending champion, the team we beat in the second round. So we beat the two teams that played in the championship game the year before, and that set up our third game, which was against the the consensus number one team in the country. And we wound up playing them on a Saturday afternoon at two o'clock. And I'll be honest with you, Gary, 
I don't I don't think you were out there for that game. I think you came for the next one. But we Correct. were. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I felt like we won that game as easily as we won any of the five games we played against the uh, against Robert Morris out of Illinois, the number one team in the country. I tell you, and I remember that game. Just again, you you were my eyes for that ball game, and uh, probably it, they really I'm not going to say is an easy win, but they took care of business against Robert. Yeah, Morris. they did. They really came out playing well. You got to remember, you're talking about a, a team that had some of the best players. That some of the, the most historic names we'll have here. And and I remember, you know, Quincy Hankins Cole as our starting post player. And I forgot how good he was until a couple of years ago when I was doing a little research about it. Quincy Hankins Cole played okay in the first round of the tournament. And then he had four straight double-doubles to run it out. He was, I mean, an amazing. Really cool. I mean, he, he seemed like every, since after that first game of the tournament, Last form, so like every rebound, he was getting that yeah, rebound. Yeah, and, and and I think he may have had seventeen rebounds in the maybe in the championship game or some astronomical number like that. And then of course, you know, we had you know the best guard in the tournament out there. There's no question about it. And you know, we also had Justin Hicks, yeah. you know, who wound up one point shy of the top ten on the all-time scoring list. Um, you know, we had. Uh, Andre Thornton was our starting uh, power forward on that team. Uh, Andre's the only kid in my 17 years there that I ever let put this on his senior day resume that he wanted to uh, run. He wanted to uh, start and run his own businesses, not one. He wanted to do multiple (laughs) businesses. Just unbelievable kids that we had on that team. And then we had a guy – and Kelly used to use these terms, and sometimes I'd have to ask him, Kelly, what are you talking about? I don't understand what that term is. And one of them was glue guy. And yes, he, we talked about glue guy a couple times, and finally he said to me, all right, Rick, Ryan Whitaker's a glue guy. And Ryan Whitaker was a senior on that team, and Ryan Whitaker wasn't a glue guy. In my estimation, he was the ultimate glue guy. He'd come off the bench. He could start. He could do whatever you need him to. And during that run out there, Gary, we had a couple of players on that team who, let's be honest, they had they had been role players who didn't even play in every game, who stepped up and had huge games for us uh, in our run to the you know to the championship. Well, one one jumps off my mind because that guard you talking about the best guard in the tournament. Vance no question Cooks about it. And gets to you talking about the role players, so you get to the national, the championship game. Vance Cooks, he fouls out. Yep. And Quint, Quintel Maxwell, a role player who didn't play every game, yep. comes in and played huge minutes and got the final steal to seal the game for the Bears. And we had a post player, and I don't even remember his name, about a 6'10 kid who came off the bench, and he was – Cordero, Cordero Ellis. Ellis. And Cord didn't play a lot, and he wound up having about a 10-point game for us there uh, in the tournament also. Uh, the, you know, these guys were really good. And what happened out there was we get out there and you're right, man, we've got the best player in the tournament. And when I went and th- let me, let me walk you through <laughs> Monday night. Okay. We're in the semifinals. We're playing Martin Methodist. And I thought about this when I was sitting at home watching you broadcast our game with Martin Methodist, uh, a, about a month ago that we were down in the second half. We were down by 15 points to Martin Methodist. 
And we came back and beat them by 15 points. I think the final score was about 110 to 95. We beat them. And when we, and Andrew Joyce was out there for that game by that time. So we were doing a three-man broadcast, me, him, Billy Watson. And when we finished the broadcast, I threw it back to the station for like a three-minute break. I took my headset off and I sat there at the scores table and I cried. And I didn't, I wasn't just, you know, misty-eyed. I cried. I sobbed. And the thing is, is that I realized that night when we made that kind of a comeback, I didn't know who we were going to play in the national championship game, but it didn't matter because we were going to win it. And I knew it that night. And about, about 15 seconds before we came back, Andrew patted me on the shoulder. He always called me Bubba. He said, you going to be able to do this Bubba? And I put my headphones back on. I said, yep, I'm ready. Let's go. He said, are you sure? I said, yep, let's go. And I finished it out. Well, then when I walked into the arena the next day and I went over way early, that game was supposed to start at nine o'clock central time. And if you remember the women's game went late and we were, we were about 20 after nine central time. That's 20 after 10 Eastern time starting that game. And, but when I went over to the arena about five o'clock that afternoon, I went over by myself and I, and I knew two things. I knew we were going to win that national championship. And our guard, Vance Cooksey, was going to be the MVP of the tournament. And then we got in there, and and look, God love him. He carried us for four games. He had nothing left for the championship. He just didn't have anything left to go with. Yes, but so. we had a guy on that team named Trevor Setti who was an eighth grader on Kelly Wells' state championship team at Mason County. And then after Kelly left – he won another state championship at Mason County. And he and it was like he could sniff it. He said, that's all right, boys. I know the way. Let's go. Just follow me. And he went ballistic that night. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Trevor and Kelly Wells' history. When, when Kelly won the state championship at Mason that year, we all remember that as the Chris Lofton team. And for very good reason. Lofton was a junior, and they were unbelievable. He was a great player. But at the end of the middle school season that year, Kelly brought three kids off the off that eighth grade team and put them on his varsity, not on his junior varsity, Gary, put them on his varsity. Those three players were Trevor Setti, who wound up being the national tournament MVP that year. They had a kid named Middleton who played at Georgetown and had an outstanding career playing for, uh, playing for Georgetown. And the third guy, Darius Miller, who won a national championship the next year with the University of Kentucky. And still in the still NBA. Still playing today. in the NBA. And think about having that level of talent to bring up off of your eighth grade team. Can you imagine watching that, that middle school team, Gary? Oh, I, 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 I'm glad I wasn't in eighth grade trying to play <laughs> yeah. against them. I know but that. now that's the, that's the story of how it went out there. And then, you know, Trevor wound up being the MVP. He went nuts that night. And Bob Bolin, the coach at uh, Mountain State, had a terrific quote that I used in my press release on that game. He said, I'll be honest, I thought we were guarding him pretty well. But it didn't matter how far out we pushed him. He just kept stepping back one more step and hitting shots. And, and that's what happened out there. It was just uh, it was a night I'll never forget. I know that much. I tell you, such, such a fun night. And, you know, that, that's really just the beginning. I know you had a conversation 
with Happy Osborne, and and he said, "Hey, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you guys have made your name." And then a run of state uh, national tournament appearances began after that. I know we don't go back the next year, but after that, it was a, several trips in a row to the national. Well, tournament. we still haven't missed one. But still have we went. We won it in eleven, right? And we lost it. We didn't go in twelve. And it started in 13, and we even made it last year, even though they didn't have a tournament. Uh, we we were in the field last year. We knew our draw. It's just that they wound up canceling the tournament when everything else, you know, in the world kind of shut down there in March. So we still haven't missed one uh, going out to Kansas City. And really, because, the, because of the, the fact that the NAIA completely changed basketball, really you could say that that, that run is over anyway. Because we're not doing it with, for, they're not doing divisions anymore. They're going down to 16 teams going to Kansas City now. Uh, there's going to be uh, rounds of playing into that, if, to that event. And so it's really, it, it really stopped really after the 19 tournament. We just didn't know it. But last year, you know, we were even elected into the field. We just, you know, they didn't get to play the tournament. So we have, Still not missed a tournament since that 2012 team. So, Rick, um, so now, of course, Todd Compton being the head coach as Kelly Wells stepped into the full-time athletic director role with the University of Pikeville. You've seen the progression. You've been at the University of Pikeville, uh, whether it be in the SID role or, or the, the professor role. You've seen Todd Compton and his entire coaching career at the University of Pikeville. Talk a little bit what you've seen about Ty since he's been. I'll tell you something program. I didn't know about Ty Compton. When he graduated from Grundy High School, he went to college on a football scholarship. Did you know that? Uh, hey, uh, on, on on his podcast, he let me know about that, and that's the first time I've heard. I was like, Kentucky Christian on yep. a football podcast, you know, scholarship. Yeah, so he sure. came here and he decided he was wanted to play uh, basketball. He was on JV basketball team. And decided he wanted to get into coaching and became a student assistant. And then he became uh, a, a part-time, I think a part-time assistant maybe. And then he became a, the, the full-time assistant and then the associate head coach. And, and he's really just, he, he's, he's somebody we got, should have so much pride in. You know, this is a guy who you and I joke about that we came here and never left. Well, he literally came here and never left. Now, he's never been anywhere else since, exactly. except for that. One, I think one semester maybe he spent uh, playing college football. Since he came here to school, he's been here all along. One more thing about that championship, by the way, Gary. Do you realize that that was the last time we took the floor as the Pikeville College Bears? That, you know what, until you just now mentioned it, I, you're exactly right. Pikeville College. Well, <laughs> they, they, went, they went out the last year as a part of as college, won the yep, national championship. That's exactly right. We, the, we started, I think, July 1st as UPIC after that. Because I know there was some discussion, Rick, about how that would yep. be handled, you know, sort of the defending national champion. You now the school's the name has changed. So that's quite a memory. Yep. That's for sure. That's a good one. That's, so, Rick, uh, you know, which I, I think the program is st- still producing at a very high level, and I think Ty is going to continue this tradition hmm. of high-level success. Of course, of course, he's been trained by, you know, one of the best in, in Kelly Wells, and he's bringing in some great talent as well, too. So, But the next thing I'd like for you to talk about and share, and this is something that I, I'm really 
happy uh, as a, again as as an alumni and then also as a father of a student there at the university. Talk a little bit about just your connection to all the student athletes. Well, we've, we've, I've had a few different ways of connecting with them, Gary. First, of course, is being their SID and seeing them a lot. And, and, and where you connect there with the, with the kids is, is really being on the road with them because, you know, the, you get to spend a lot of time on the bus. You get to spend a lot of time in hotels and that sort of thing with these students. And then Robert Staggs and I spent about six years or seven years or ever how long it was where we were the huddle coaches for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes on campus. And that allows you to see the student athletes in a different, a different light too, because you can, you know, you can talk to them about things other than sports, which is what I tried to do with them anyway, Gary, to get to know them a little bit better. And then of course, uh, after 17 years in athletics, I was given the opportunity to join the faculty and be a, be a full-time faculty member in the Coleman College of Business and jumped at that opportunity. Uh, I feel like I worked for Ron Dameron, who's as good a boss as you can be. And I don't mean to slight Robert Staggs, who Lord knows I love dearly, but uh, Ron was just such a special boss. And to go from that to working for Dr. Howard Roberts uh, in the Coleman College of Business is just, it's a great opportunity. And I get to see the students who are sport management majors and, and nearly all of them are athletes, but I also get to see the student athletes uh, you know, who are coming into the Coleman College of Business to take other classes because a lot of, you know, we've got like 60% or something like that now of our student body is athletes. So it figures that a lot of the kids are coming in for every class are going to be athletes. And I get to see those kids coming in and out of that building uh, all day long, you know, going to these different classes and you get to stop them and talk to them about different things and how they're doing and 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 how they're you know how how they're getting along and how their classes are going. I always try to ask them about that before I ask them about their sports. And it's a really just it's it's a, just a special opportunity for me to be a part of it. And Rick, I know you developed a lot of lifelong friendships from there too. Yeah, I mean, you used to share with me on Saturday how you still stay in contact with all the guys who have graduated at the University of Pikeville, you know, whether it be a student athlete or just somebody you got to know through, through the classroom, and if you maintain that connection. So it's just not a connection because you're at U-Pike. Hey, I'm always here to help you. Gary, if we only are interested in them during their time on campus, we are failing them as people. Um, when, when we tell them, look, I'm here for you, I tell them this has nothing to do with what you do in my class. This has nothing to do with, you could be an all American or you could be a walk on. I don't care, but I am here for you. And when, when my kids graduate, I tell them, look, you will always have a place here. As long as I'm here, you'll have a place here. And I tell them sometimes, Gary, look, you want to come to a game here? Your money's not good here. I want to make sure you get in to see our teams play. Uh, I want to stay involved. I tell my students, Gary, if you need a re- if you need a reference twenty years from now, don't call me and ask me if you can use me as a reference. Use me. That's you know, if if we just are interested in them and what they can do for us during their time as a student here, then we're doing them a disservice. So we've got to do better than that, and we do. That's one thing I'm proud of. And I, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I work with Howard Roberts. I work with Brenda Maynard. These were my teachers when I was a student here. That's and right. so I know the investment they had because I know the investment they had in me. 
And I know how friendly they were with me every time I would see them around town or around uh, the campus or whatever before I came back to work there. So we, we try to do it the right way. I try to do it the best way I can. And that's a big part of it. Gang, I get Christmas cards from some of my students, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm still involved in their lives. I, I still write letters. Of re- I wrote a letter of reference uh, two weeks ago for Julie Yates son. Julie Yates played for Billy Watson wow. in, in his time yeah. as, as a coach here. And her son was a baseball team made of my son chance. And he needed a reference to get into some program that they're having. I don't know what it was, some summer program. I wrote him a letter. I was glad to do it because of my relationship with Julie. You try to stay uh, as active and as involved with these kids as you possibly can because that's the way it should be done. Let's put it this way, Gary. That's the way you'd want me to treat your son. That's the way I'd want my son treated. And that's the way I try to treat these kids. You know, Rick, in 1889, when the Presbyterian missionaries came to Appalachia and they settled in Pikeville to start the the Pikeville Collegiate Institute or the Pikeville Academy. Uh, that's what they had in mind. It wasn't just come in and, and get the students for four years and send them on their way. No, it's a lifelong of learning. It's a, it's, a, it's a partnership. It's the make this world, you know, when, of course, I was going to school at the University of Pikeville. It was changing the world one yes. graduate at a time. And that's what I kind of live by still. It, whatever role I have at the university, you know, being past being an employee and now being a supporter of the university and now working a little bit for the U-Pike Sports Network. Every way I can support that student, I'm going to do my best. And just like you, Rick, it's, there are a lot of us out there. Absolutely. And I, and I don't do this alone. Let's make this clear. This is not a one-man mission. There's a lot of people on our campus who feel that way. Robert Staggs is just just getting over a battle with cancer. And have you ever been on that Facebook website that the softball players put together? Wow. And it's not this year's softball wow. team, Gary. It's the softball players and the volleyball players who he's coached through the years here at this school, how they rally around him. And I'll tell you, I think Robert has been a little bit surprised at the impact he has had on so many of those kids. I'm not a bit surprised because I've been fortunate enough to be there to see it every single day in my life. Uh, but I think it's surprised him how, how deeply they care for him. And that's what we do here, man. That's, that's, that's what it's all about at, at our school. Uh, it's a relationship. With these kids. Like, like you and I were talking Saturday about Brady Schmidt, who played basketball for us for four years. And now uh, he's on the baseball team. Brady, I don't call Brady one of my students. Brady's a friend of mine. You know, that's what it, that's what it's all about. Brady's a friend of mine and I, I've made it clear to him too. You know, if, if you need a letter of reference, just say so. I'll get it done for you just as soon as I possibly can. And, uh, and hopefully I can write you a good letter and get your, you know, help you get your foot in your door because once you do that, I've got faith in you. You can take it from there. Oh, Rick, I tell you, we appreciate your appearance on today's podcast. I love this learn a little bit more about the history of the program and also just hearing your thoughts as going through those runs with the University of Pikeville basketball team. And as I think that, that this program has so much tradition that we can go on for a long time. And we've really just kind of scraped the top of what this program, because we can really dive into a lot of good years back in the seventies as well, too. And, and then the eighties, there's a lot of good players that walked it who played basketball. No question about it. We didn't mention Todd May. You know, and look how good he was. And I'll tell you something else. The last win we got in the national tournament uh, came in front of 
about 4,500 people and about 4,000 of them were there to see the school we played play. And we wound up beating them. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I said that the night before I said, you see all those people over there, we're going to send them home miserable tomorrow night. And sure enough, we did. And uh, it, it's, these are memories, you know, I'll, I'll have with me for the rest of my life. And those trips to Kansas city were the epitome of it. They were a labor of love. And I loved hearing, getting feedback from people during games and after a game and seeing the tweets and the Facebook posts and all this, because they, they weren't watching, they weren't listening to that for me. They were listening to that for the, for our kids and for our school. It's just that I was blessed enough to be the one who got to be out there and be the eyes and ears of, of Gary justice and Tyler Eisenman and all the other people, you know, who I hear from all the time about this. It's, it's been a labor of love for me from day one. And it will be that way until I leave the school. Well, Rick, we definitely appreciate what you do. Uh, speaking as a parent of a student there, we appreciate what you do and, and continue that mission on because uh, you said the impact that Howard Roberts and Brenda Maynard had on you. Now you're able to continue that along with several other professors like you were talking about at the university. It takes each and every one of us to continue that. We, got, a, we well. got big shoes to fill and we're doing the best we can with them. Well, Rick, we appreciate your appearance and, and sharing your stories. You and too, Gary. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. A special thanks goes out to Rick Bentley for his appearance. Just as a reminder, this podcast can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other platforms you receive your podcast. Also, please give it a rating and also leave a comment. It allows us to spread the word regarding the podcast. Always a good day to be a bear, and tradition never graduates.